0: This episode of Into The Wild is brought to you by Leica Sport Optics. As the world opens up and we're able to venture forth and go and explore again, it's essential that we have the kit we need so we don't leave nature hotspots disappointed. With that in mind, I cannot recommend Leica Sport Optics enough. Leica not only have a great range of optics for a wide range of uses, but they also offer finance plans to help people like me that would rather pay bit by bit. I'm currently using the Leica HD Ultravid. And now I can clearly see all the birds that I am also still unable to identify. Read more about Lyca's range via their website in the write-up of this episode. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to Into the Wild. Thanks for clicking play on the pod. I am your host, Ryan Dalton. Let's move on with the show. Well it's official autumn is finally here as I record this on the 29th of September I'm sat here in 14 layers because I'm too stubborn to turn the heating on. My housemate and my girlfriend are not very happy with that but um, it's the rules we can go as we can we're gonna wait as long as we can before we turn that thermostat. up. It's a very British thing, isn't it the heating? and the coldness we always like to talk about it people always say like I've had to turn the heating on I've just had to yeah yeah you have it's autumn it happens every single year because the temperature's dropped outside it's not my fault you bought bad knitwear Derek do you know what I mean buy better thermals (laughs) but what else have I been up to I have been working a lot Oh, nerds, I am shattered. I know you don't care about this side of stuff, but I like to tell you. I've been working very hard. Things are very busy at the Dog Daycare. I'm very busy with the podcast. Lots of things going on, but I haven't been able to go out and do much naturey stuff recently. I've got an exciting day tomorrow. I'm going up to Hampstead Heath to meet the Heath Hands Conservation Charity to have a little chat. But something that I have been enjoying, actually, it was a bit naturey. There is a bat. <laughs> There's a bat. Just a heads up. There's a bat flying round in our garden well not my, our garden sorry the garden downstairs because we're a flat but every single night we get into bed we can hear it we can't see it but we could definitely okay Christina and I can either hear this bat or we need to go to the doctor's ASAP because we've got a ringing in our ear but I think it's a bat I'm going to say it's a bat don't know what species that's all you're getting from me for my nature i <laughs> oh man we should move on to 60 second nature news I wonder if it will be so I reckon I can do this in 60 seconds do you reckon I can let's do this deep breath deep <sighs> breath Some positive nature news from 60 Second Nature News. Right now, let's stop saying the word news. Let's go. Derbyshire Wildlife Trust tweeted to announce the release of their first beaver. Travelling all the way from Scotland, the female beaver is now getting used to her new digs at Willington Wetlands. Shortly after, her partner was released, cute, and now they are busy setting up their new home. One of the UK's rarest songbirds, Cecile Bunton, has seen a population increase of a third on farmland in Devon. The National Trust said that 60 breeding pairs has been recorded in part of the South Hams area, up from a steady 40 in recent years. Conservation success as otters are brought back from the brink of extinction thanks to banning of chemicals and improvement of some water quality, with populations of around 4,000 according to recent surveys by the UK Wildlife Trust. And finally, plastic-wrapped produce will be banned in Spain from the beginning of 2023, according to a decree currently being drafted by the Ministry of Ecological Transition. And that's the end of 60 Second Nature News. I nailed it. Okay, that was 60 Second Nature News. Um, Right, let's move on to today's show, shall we? This show feels like it was a long time in the making. I contacted this person, I think, when I started Into the Wild back in 2020. So it seems like ages ago and... Of course, because they are absolutely brilliant, they've been busy with different projects on and off throughout the last year and a half, but we finally managed to get some time and have a bit of a chat. Joining me on today's show is wildlife filmmaker Tanya Esteban. I always love chatting to wildlife filmmakers on the show because it's always such an individual chat. So much is personal to them about how they make their projects, how they go into planning them what they love about doing it, what their ultimate project goals are. There's so much to talk personally to these people um, about how they love wildlife. And that was exactly the same about talking um, with this topic to Tanya. But specifically, we spoke about something that Tanya had been working on. And that was a short documentary that's on YouTube. And I really cannot stress enough that you should watch this. It's absolutely beautiful. Called The Guardians of Ikigai. It's a wonderful look at wildlife and culture in Japan and how there's certain belief systems that all show that everything's connected. It's, it's really, really, really beautiful 15-minute film. It was lovely to talk to Tanya about this and ask her how she got this idea, how she wanted um, to film it and what her absolute takeaway feelings was from making that film. So enough of my voice, let's have this episode out because it's a wonderful chat with a wonderful person. This is Find Your Guy with Tanya Esteban. Tanya, finally, we have you on Into the Wild. How are you?
1: <laughs> I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. Thank you so very much for inviting me. Honestly, I have to admit I'm a bit of a fangirl. Of these podcasts. You've been keeping us all very sane throughout these these terrible months of COVID chaos. You're
0: too kind. You're too kind because half the time, mate, I'm sat here. <laughs> well, as you can see, I know the listeners can't see, but you can see. I'm just in my room <laughs> <laughs> with a microphone and a coffee trembling.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm I'm very excited to be on here. And I've been listening to all of my amazing colleagues and, you know, fantastic new people. The amount of people that you get on the show that are just so you know, fascinating, diverse—from fungiism to filmmaking—it's—it's mm. it's brilliant. You—you—you you must be having a ball. He's
0: mad yeah I'm having a great do you know it's hard to keep up but when people say like what's into the wild about like I can't remember <laughs> like I know it's about wildlife and conservation but if you should tell me to list the topics I'm like there's been so many and like you said all completely different and it, it's great fun it's a pleasure to get to chat to all these people and to yourself because I feel like we connected on social media yeah. it must have been last year was it?
1: gosh I think so I mean I, I've been following yes I, I think the sphere is something that's quite wonderful because it's whilst Instagram is is very visually engaging and stunning I just think Twitters Cracking, especially the sort of the, the hilarity of the comments that come through, and I know you're a bit of a comedian, Ryan, as well. So I've been, I've been, I've been thoroughly engaged with your your tweets, and I thought, who is this this brilliant chap that's in our in the world of, na- of you're nature? You're very kind. But it's true. It's been it's been brilliant. So no, thank you for for having me. It's great to chat. Finally, I'm
0: glad. You, you know, it's very nice to hear someone say they enjoy Twitter because I enjoy Twitter for probably the reasons people don't like it, <laughs> and I enjoy it because you can just. I think there's so much pressure yeah. to be correct on it, especially when you can't edit. But I'm like, just have fun.
1: No, exactly. Yeah,
0: make a point, but have fun. Exactly. And remember we're all human.
1: We are. We are all human. Nothing is perfect. (laughs) Nice.
0: Right. Anyway, I better get on with this first question to you. Otherwise we're just having a coffee and a natter. Oh, just a heads up for the listeners, we're recording this on a Wednesday at six PM and I'm having a coffee. (laughs) So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to turn out towards the end. I'm either going to be buzzing or halfway through, I'm just going to crash.
1: <laughs> I'm going to have to start interviewing you. Yeah. <laughs> don't you worry. So you
0: might have to just take over. No
1: problem. I'm sure you've, had, you've got a very fascinating background in, in, well, in, the, in the zoo, surely. And you're a naturalist in comedy... A bit of everything.
0: Yeah. Jack of all trades, mate. Jack
1: of all <laughs> trades. I love it.
0: Tanya, first question at the top. We've got to start by you telling us, who are you and what do you do?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> so my name is Tanya Esteban. So I'm half Spanish, half English, and I'm an mm. assistant producer now, which is very exciting. And I work as a wildlife filmmaker and I call myself a second camera person because I, it's not technically my craft. I don't work full time <laughs> as a camera person, but... um I do sort uh, my own personal projects with Panasonic as a as a brand ambassador for them. So it's been an amazing five and a half, six years of kind of getting into this industry professionally, really. And and my job kind of entails a whole range of things, quite like like yourself, um, yeah. I'm kind of jack of all trades jobs. Because I think I think the main difference between research because a lot of people ask me this is what is that step up to being you know what's the difference between ap and and research i think it's predominantly the kind of the time that you spend in the field so a lot of the time when you're a researcher and an AP, you are doing all the investigative research and contacting scientists and setting up permits and obviously relaying with your producer very closely. When you become an assistant mm. producer, you're in the field a lot more and you're kind of obviously directing and working with um, cinematography talent um, a lot more, which is amazing because obviously you get, I get to work with my heroes that, I, you know, I've been following since I was a very young girl and I absolutely adore it and you're kind of there basically to ensure the health and safety of the crew in the field as well, to do the dit so all of the offload and the backing up of the rushes. Yeah. Keeping obviously, you know, depending what species you're filming as well, you're very much observing and tracking and taking field notes to look back over in, in post production in the edits to support your producer with what's actually going on behaviourally. And also there you're kind of there to be a little a mini expert on that animal for that particular shoot as well, which for me, is incredible because, I mean, kudos to the scientists who unfortunately last year for a lot of them, we were all trapped trying to get out on shoots. Um, But of course, you know, when we were able to get out into these countries, we were there to, you know, hopefully support our our camera teams and, and obviously relay the information that we sometimes spend, you know, a good 10 months sometimes researching, investigating, but it really is showcasing the incredible work that these scientists do in the field. And then, of course, you're there towards the end in post-production as well to support your producer's editorial ambitions to really hopefully make a, a beautiful sequence. And that's just like six minutes on screen. So that's one shoot. So then you've got all these other shoots as <laughs> part, part of an entire episode. So it's it's sort of, a, it's a mixture of different roles really. And, you, and you're working very closely with your production managers and your production coordinators. And you have such an incredible team. So you're just a tiny, tiny little clog in this incredible production really. And I mean, honestly, it's, yeah, I, I feel so, so bloody lucky <laughs> that I get to work in this.
0: Yeah, and that's that's quite amazing that you like you see these projects through the the entire way as well. So you're there from the very beginning to mm. the very end. So do you find that I guess this is probably project dependent as well, but is that quite an intense role as well, would you say, within the biz?
1: yeah I mean absolutely it's you start off I mean obviously you the producer will pitch an idea to a commissioner and the BBC so I work at Silverback Films which is a fabulous mm. company and they, they've they done you know various projects on our planet and we've just you know been delivering and finishing off a very exciting BBC series and um, so our producers and, and execs would go and you know pitch a story idea quite like you've been doing Ryan with your mm-hmm. exciting project in Namibia I
0: know I know
1: <laughs> you've okay, got to tell the audience more about that um, and <laughs> And yeah, so essentially, once once the idea is pitched, you know, it just comes from a single thought and a, a series mm. of themes. Obviously, usually ones that make it to television are you know five part episodes, usually you know fifty minutes and the ten minute making ofs. So you have to make usually an hour of television per episode, and then you know they obviously assemble the teams. It's kind of like assembling the Avengers. Who do you have on your team? <laughs> um And you have about three producers, and then you have your production manager, who is kind of like the mastermind of Managing all of your money and all the editorial people's ambitions and dreams, you know. But like, can we have a cineflex? Can we have it? And they're like, no, that's not in the budget. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, um, there's okay. not much
0: in the budget.
1: <laughs> Let's reel it in. Um, so they're um, they're incredible. They deal with a lot of ridiculous amounts of money, which is amazing. And then you we work closely as well with our production coordinators who help us with the logistics, and we coordinate very closely with them, and of course other fellow researchers and, and APs as well. So it's it's so collaborative and of course every single one of us on the team are just like diehard conservationists <laughs> and abs- absolute nerds of course everyone listening is probably a complete nerd yeah <laughs>
0: You cannot be in the nature, wildlife, conservation industry and not nerd out at least 30% of (laughs) your (laughs) time.
1: No, exactly. And it's because I I think that's the thing we were just saying beforehand. It it doesn't have to, obviously, I mean, most of us are very passionate about wildlife and and nature and and the life history of the most bizarre newt. But also, you know, (laughs) there's... there's a passion for like, I love technology as well. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, a sort of group of very creative, very determined people that, that makes, you know, work not feel like work every day, basically. We're very, very lucky.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. So I've got to ask you one question as well. You said like bringing the team together, is like bringing the Avengers together. You. <laughs> so I've got to ask you, where do you fall in there? What Avenger are you in in the nature
1: world oh oh that's that's a tricky <laughs> one I'm, I'm I, I'd probably self-deprecate myself and say oh no I'm like Groot or something although he's very cool I love Groot. He is cool. I, I love him. He's a sort of plant that glues everyone together. I mean, everyone would fancifully say, well, I'd love... I mean, obviously, I'm a big fan of Black Widow. She's amazing. Yes, of. Yeah, I mean, I don't quite know. I'd be happy with Groot, frankly, you know, someone sort yeah. of in the sidelines behind the scenes because, um, I mean, yes, a lot of... I think a lot of people don't... Well, my sort of role always encompasses behind the camera because I'm very much a editorial person or uh, working in the craft department, which, I, you know, that's why I love seeing amazingly talented presenters or speakers and things like that come come to the front because I work in more blue-chip natural history yeah. rather than presenter-led. But I, I've always said I'd be keen to do that in the future, you know, personally, like as in film talent and because i mean the, the likes of you know the brilliant liz bonin and steve backshaw who who you've spoken to as well and mm. the lovely lizzie delhi who's absolutely fantastic yeah. and incredibly talented it's uh, you know it's it, there's so many genres within our natural history world
0: oh there so is yeah isn't
1: that i mean what yeah. what would you say you prefer i mean i don't think there's a preference so you must like enjoy them all for the different reasons
0: What is in what would i prefer in front or behind and in, in the camera kind of thing
1: well in terms of like the genres that you're watching I mean, do you do you enjoy a good sit down on a sunday and go right let's watch a bit of landmark blue chip or oh, you know what i fancy seeing a bit of gordon buchanan tonight
0: it's you know i really struggle because i'm really varied with what i want i really do like if there's something new and big out to yes. watch. like you said a sunday evening let's yeah w- grab a cup of tea and 72 hobnobs and watch them <laughs> 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 can't have one. Coffee, one i don't trust the person having one hobnob who are you get out of my life <laughs> i want someone that finishes the packet with me So, I do love those moments, but at the same time, I love kind of scrolling through social media and Mm. seeing someone's I've made this 10 minute short on bird ringing kind of thing. And and I really like that. And when I say both ends of the spectrum, I do not mean in quality of entertainment or watching. I mean from, I guess, level of production in it. It's one person and a team. I guess I mean that as a spectrum. But yeah, I'm really, really flexible with it. I just. I love like, I, I think we said this before um, pressing record I really just like seeing the passion so it doesn't really matter from yeah. the, what you're watching and, and that, like mm. we said it doesn't always have to be wildlife I do prefer wildlife and I do prefer outdoorsy thing but have you mm. watched Free Solo? Have you watched Free Solo? The oh, like,
1: oh Ryan don't get me started I mean it's absolutely <laughs> epic it's I mean I, I'm I mean, he's a, a remarkable human. I mean, when you sort of consider it from a biological mm-hmm. perspective, it's just this, the, the, I mean, the sinews and, and yeah. the muscular structure of that man just being able to hold on to a precipice rock face exactly. is extraordinary. And, and you know he's going to be fine because you, you, see, you yeah. see him do all these talks. <laughs> but yet the the storyteller and, 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 you know, Jimmy Chin, he was able mm. to really still keep that tension the whole exactly, way through.
0: Exactly, As a
1: filmmaker, he did an exceptional job yeah. through all of those camera angles and obviously the storytelling and the narration, but I agree. Are you a rock climber, Ryan? I can imagine oh God, you scaling.
0: No. <laughs> ah. <laughs> no, you can imagine this scaling a rock fence.
1: <laughs> no, not well. no, a, Ch- a bit of Cheddar Gorge.
0: No, do you know why? Like, one word, cramp.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. I'm six foot seven,
0: mate. I get cramp like that.
1: (sighs) Oh, stop it. I'd have to have a
0: glass of tonic and a banana before I did it. I
1: I love that combination. I mean, for all of us short Spanish people. I'm thinking high
0: potassium.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant.
0: That's all cramp, isn't it? Lack of potassium.
1: Yoga? Have a bit of yoga, do a bit of stretching. Do you know
0: what? I've never said this on the podcast. I can't stand yoga.
1: (gasps) Don't. But do you know what? This, I,
0: I know it works. I'm, <laughs> and I'm being stubborn here. And I'm being a stubborn man. And I know this. But p- the reason why I don't like yoga <laughs> is because whenever I'm in Come pain, on, like if I've got yes. like a neck ache or if I've got a back ache, people mm. suggest yoga. And you're like, no. Back off. I, I'm in pain. I don't want to stretch now. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Try it after. But I don't want to stretch when I'm in pain. We've gone way off topic. I'm not a rock climber. <laughs>
1: but you enjoyed free solo. That's the I point, I enjoyed it right? because
0: yes, thank you for, I told you this coffee was going to be the doom. Um, I loved it because I still got to see the passion side of the activity, even though it is something that I've never mm. done, never thought about doing. Yes. And I certainly wouldn't do free soloing, but it was, <laughs> it was amazing to see just the camera angles I had and the views. And it was just, mm. it was just incredible. So it's really from any perspective, it's, This is the longest answer to your question, but yeah, I really do like any kind of, um, I don't know, storytelling documentary. I really do enjoy it. Mm. My next question for you, let's get back on track with wildlife and nature. (laughs) Interesting question. What does wildlife and nature mean to you?
1: Oh, I mean, I think it's the question that everyone would be very much easily able to answer. It means everything to me. Mm. It's it's just... It's what I live for and breathe for every day. I, as I said before, I'm half Spanish, which no one believes. I, I promise you, they go, <laughs> what? You sound terribly British. I was like, I grew up. So I grew up in Spain, actually. And that's where my passion for, for natural history began, when I, I was born in the most unexciting place in England imaginable, which was uh, Macclesfield.
0: Macclesfield? Where's Macclesfield?
1: Macclesfield. Macclesfield. I know, exactly. But I I left when I was four months old to to live in Spain because my father's Spanish. So I I lived in this beautiful mountainside in Mijas, which is a small pueblo, a little village Mm. in Andalucía. And um, I mean, it's a fabulous migratory pathway for many bird species going from, you know, transiting to Africa and Every summer, and, well, every spring and summer, I'd wait for short-toed eagles and Amazing. European booters to arrive. And, and I mean, it sounds perfectly idyllic. I was, you know, my next nearest neighbor was a goat farmer, literally. <laughs> So you can imagine this poor child just running around gallivanting alongside the mountains um, you know, digging up antlions and just staring at lizards, you know, very, very engaged with the natural world. But I was very much a bird and I was, I was so fascinated. And eventually, because I could never quite afford a camera, I, by the time I was 13, I, I saved up for a, a long, attack, you know, back in the day, you're like those really cheap yeah, yeah. zoom lenses. And, <laughs> but to me, it was like, oh my God, this is it. I'm, I'm going to become a photographer because originally I was so fascinated by animation and storyboarding and art. I was convinced by the time I was eight, I was going to become a, an animator for, for Disney. Of, of course, course you were.
0: And I, do you know I don't course, think that dream you know.
1: is dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was always torn by the arts and the science because I was obsessed mm. with natural history and zoology and prehistoric history as well. And then I sort of toyed with the idea of becoming an archaeologist at one point when I was ten. It's <laughs> like, oh yes, I'm going to become an, an archaeologist and and you know you
0: watched Jurassic Park and that was it.
1: <laughs> I mean, absolutely, Ryan. We were all there, weren't <laughs> we? we? All did um, it. And walking with dinosaurs, walking with dinosaurs, oh, God, and then yeah. I I just I saw um, uh, obviously the great sir david attenborough and his amazing documentaries and at the 10 minute making of at the very end i saw the brilliant cinematographer dop sophie darlington who's my absolute hero Mm. and the brilliant justine evans as well and i obviously women aren't very well represented in the craft department either so i just found it incredible that you know this could actually be a job that you could actually film and create and tell stories as well as in you know educating and entertaining audiences so i thought that's what I want to do so I kind of spent all of my academic years in Spain studying 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 to get a scholarship to get into a university in the UK and then I came to the UK studied zoology and then I did the the master's in wildlife filmmaking here in Bristol so Amazing. yeah or it, it all led to Bristol and then here I am five and a half six years later after studying kind of working with the most brilliant people and again it was always kind of been driven by you know trying to yeah well trying to raise awareness about conservation because i think i mean every single one of us was laughed at uh, probably five and six years ago uh, by commissioners going oh you know conservation is a complete taboo word that's not going to make it to big audiences look look what's happened now i mean it's amazing isn't it
0: have you seen this massive community of of people (laughs) that care about the planet (laughs) <laughs> well, exactly. Sorry, no offence to these commissioners but what the f*** are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like bro, go for no, a it- walk and talk to people like every single kid on the planet likes animals and then every single person over 50 is interested in nature and then you've still got a massive percentage of those middle group that are clinging on to it What commissioner said that? What's their name? Oh. <laughs> <I'm> joking
1: <gasps> I no, do not. I'll find Ryan. out. I couldn't possibly I'll say. I'll find out. They'll get a letter <laughs> from me.
0: Um, <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> we've got to chat about your new short film as well, The Guardians of Ikigai. I've watched it. It is absolutely beautiful. I loved it. Mate, you've oh, And thank you thank for sending you. it to me as well, because it was just one of those, again, it was a lovely short 15 minute watch it, real nice story element to it. Can you tell us and the audience, for the people that haven't watched it, what is it about and where did this idea come from for you?
1: Yeah, so thank you so much for watching it, first of all, because it's honestly, it's you kind of you expose your heart and your creative emotions in these short films, because obviously my full time work is with Silverback and on these productions that you see. But I just, I'm obsessed, as I as you could probably tell, with uh, with filming and, and wildlife. So any yeah. spare moment I have, quite like yourself, I'll be making my own content. And I'm incredibly grateful as well to Panasonic because I work with them as an ambassador. And I've always been absolutely enthralled by Japan. Ever since I was young, I've always wanted to travel. And I think everyone, even when you just bring it up in a conversation, people are always like, oh, wow, there's so much intrigue around it. And, you know, that kind of juxtaposition mm-hmm. between modernity and and this very ancient culture which obviously reveres wildlife. I mean, it was back in, I think it was something ridiculous, like 200 BC, where the Shintoism was the, the predominant religion. I'm not a religious person at all. I'm like atheists. Yeah. But I was just fascinated that a religion brought to life so much connections and, and relationships with the natural world. So I thought, okay, you know, how can I kind of tell a story that shows how our relationship with the natural world has changed so much in a city where obviously Tokyo, in particular, a city of 38 million people, yeah. which is extraordinary. It was the most incredible city, by the way, you you have to go if, if you've not been.
0: It's on my go list. I'd I'd love, love to go to Tokyo oh. and Japan, just in general. In, in
1: general. I mean, the wildlife, the people. The people are so friendly, so humble, and courteous, and incredibly talented as well, and hardworking. And the beautiful mm-hmm. landscapes, and you know, seventy percent of the country is mountainous. It's incredibly mountainous country. So they've yeah they've made very you know made this beautiful city uh, very much engaged with you know aspects of their Religion Buddhism, which came in you know from mainline China, I think it was 800 AD, mm. so a lot later on they kind of fused both of these religions together, but still, you know, having pockets of nature persisting within this you know, this mega metropolis. And um, I, so again, you know, my passion for, for wildlife came about as I've always wanted to film red crowned cranes, so they're I'm obsessed with them, they're beautiful, beautiful. Animals. They're beautiful,
0: aren't they? They are
1: beautiful, they're stunning. I mean. They were almost very nearly extinct, unfortunately. There was only about mm. 1,830 left now, but they dropped right down to 1,000 because, of well, agriculture obviously is is a huge problem for wetlands in general, which I'm, I'm very passionate about, yeah. uh, conserving wetlands. And I think they're the second most endangered to... Crane to the whooping crane in, in the states, and I th- oh, wow. so I thought, how can I? T- I was just toying in my mind, what film could I make about Japan that connects all of these elements together? And I got in touch with this incredible Tai Chi artist called Yoko. And she is very much a huge believer in all of these philosophical concepts such as ikigai, uh, which I will explain to you what it means. Ikigai essentially means, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning? You know, what's your passion and purpose in life? And if if you Google it, there's not too much information about it. But I read this fabulous book by... Hector Garcia and Frances Mireles, who basically explains what these philosophical concepts mean to the people of Japan and how it relates to the natural world. Um, And, you know, she practices Shinri Nyoko, which is forest bathing and Wabi Sabi, which is kind of accepting the perfectly imperfect self, as it were. Wabi Sabi,
0: did you say? Wabi
1: Sabi. So definitely... That's
0: an incredible word.
1: Isn't it beautiful?
0: That is a really... I I don't know why that word just suddenly triggered my brain. And that was the acceptance of not being perfect. Imperfections. Imperfections.
1: Exactly.
0: I love that.
1: I I mean, it's a fabulous concept. They have the most amazing, you know, theories and, um, you know, philosophies in Japan, which I was just Mm. so engaged with. So I I approached and I said, "Would, would you be interested in doing a film? Because she performs and she works in a this amazing studio in Tokyo where she teaches Tai Chi. And I said, yeah, would you be interested in, in you know doing this film about connecting with nature? She said, I'd love to, because she was very much a firm believer in Ikigai. So I thought, ah, here's the story, because she does uh, performances that reflect the red crown cranes, the dance of the crane. So I thought, here I can create amazing. something that's quite conceptual metaphysical but something that is telling her story so a very personal journey very visually driven but also through her narration and voiceover i I sort of worked together with a script and it came together in various chapters hopefully showing well how in the past because japan if you look back in in history you see the master artisans you see a kintsugi artist who who works with that concept of wabi-sabi which is he's repairing a beautiful well damaged and broken bowl where this emperor, they all came about with this emperor who um, inlaid gold to fix a broken cup that he he's got you know sent over to Japan to get fixed because originally they used to staple them together. He said, I want to represent this cup for all its worth all the memories it's had but you know in a more beautiful way so they invented this kintsugi which is gold lacquer and that's kind of emphasizing this thing of you know highlight your flaws um rather than yeah. rather than hide them so all of these concepts and philosophies but of course when i spoke and interviewed this kintsugi artist he said you know, i draw all my inspiration from nature um all of the materials are i i you know get from nature clay and obviously the gold which is a metal and, and obviously, you know, the tai Chi artist as well, who's who's based her performances on um, on the Red Crane Crane since. Yeah, I mean, it was just fabulous. I traveled all over the country. I went from Hokkaido, uh, which was all the beautiful wintry, snowy landscapes, back to Tokyo, which is this crazy hyperlapse city, which is where I kind of did a lot of the time lapses and hyperlapses to show that frenetic chaos and way of life, really. Because I think we've all felt like that over, you know, COVID. And I think I thought now is the time to release this kind of film to show you know we need to reconnect back with nature. we've been so yeah. mindlessly consuming the planet that we just don't we don't live in this present moment and whilst I'm not again a religious person, I do very much believe in sort of mindfulness and bring yourself back to that moment because otherwise you know you'll end up not not living your most purposeful or happy life really. so if you can learn to reconnect with your passions and with nature at the same time, then you know that's going to reflect in a much more beautiful planet so hopefully. People will, will sort of draw any just little, a little bit of light from the film for 15 minutes.
0: Well, you d- definitely, I can tell you now a lot of light shines through from that point of view from watching it. And it was, I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of time people are that hustle and bustle, trying to move to the next thing, or actually yeah. trying to find beauty, or trying to find mindfulness, or trying mm. to find something that actually what you could do is just slow down and it is yeah. all around you. Like it could be anything. You know, you could just turn to your left and see a beautiful buddlier tree yeah. and then you've got butterflies on it. It could be something like that. That's so simple. You actually, the beauty is right in front of you. Just slow down, watch yes. it and enjoy it. Um, what was your favourite thing about making this film?
1: Oh, that's a tricky one. It was, I mean, there was just so many incredible moments actually. I have to say, because th- I just did it just before lockdown as well. So I was very, very lucky that I was able to, to just go out and meet these incredible people. I think it was the sense of great calm as i was travelling through the natural parts of the of the country actually so going to hokkaido and, and then kyoto which is one of the it was the ancient capital of japan back in the edo period and they have the most stunning ariyashima bamboo forest which, of course, there was no tour. There was no tourists because the pandemic. <laughs> Everyone was going get back home. And I was like, actually, this is quite nice. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, I was so lucky because usually the, uh, the the site where the cranes are, are packed yeah. with, with photographers, you know, trying to. So I was very, very lucky, and I just being able to reflect and and see the beauty and the nature that a lot of high artists and these master artisans have been you know, showing and trying to share with people for for centuries really came about and sort of, you know, I I just was able to really enjoy it because obviously it's my own personal film as well. And I can really engage with that personal narrative rather than people tell me, oh, this is a bit too airy fairy or this, this and that. And I I just, I I really enjoyed reconnecting with nature in a a country that I'd never visited, but also felt like I don't know. I just I, I feel like Japan is my spiritual home. um But yeah, I'd, I'd say probably filming the Red Crown Cranes was was probably the highlight. And I spent a week with them, just filming them in the snow, and oh, it was magical. You have to see them, Ryan. I know you'd love them. They've absolutely
0: uh, honestly, everyone that's gone to Japan. Japan's one of those places I think, which is a bit like Lisbon, or is a hmm. bit like, or a bit like Barcelona, or a bit like Cuba, where everyone goes and says you have to go. You just have to go to it. I know uh Christina's been I've got friends that have been and I've just said to Japan in like it, it just just a bit like you said it's a bit like a home that you go there and then you're like I feel drawn back it's such a unique place yes. but I've never I would absolutely I've done China I've done Thailand oh, wow. I've done Vietnam but I never have got to Japan I don't know why. I don't oh know gosh. why I never, never got around to it, but I would absolutely love to go and I'd love to see the cranes. I'd absolutely love to oh, see
1: them. Oh, please do Well, let me know when you're going because I will give you an itinerary. Absolutely. And you must see the snow monkeys in Nagano as well. They were brilliant. Absolutely.
0: absolutely. Yes, to all of this. If you know <laughs> anyone out there with accommodation, you hit me up and I will be I- there.
1: <laughs> I will let you know, you must go and let us know. You could do a podcast there as well. Oh, don't well.
0: even, don't, because I will, you know I will. Um, <laughs> if I go, <laughs> I need to have a break. <laughs>
1: konnichiwa. Kon- konnichiwa and go- away.
0: <laughs> um, do you think making the Guardians of Ikigai, do you think that increased your awareness of how strong wildlife is built into the culture of Japan?
1: Yes, definitely. I think, I mean, certainly from that outward perspective, when you're doing all of the research initially, you kind of think, well, okay, Japan has a very ancient culture and rapidly modernizing and technologically advanced. And I mean, I think a lot of people do see that and on the surface and don't actually see those tiny quiet Corners of Kyoto or Tokyo, yeah. where they have beautiful gardens and Shinto shrines and temples, where a lot of nature has been preserved. And of course, I think the biggest aspect of people reconnecting with nature, which I tried to show in the fourth chapter, people, you know, trying to be reimmersed even through digital art exhibitions, which was a fact, absolutely. Just well, it was just stunning. This mm. um, digital art lab, Tokyo, create these incredible modern light displays, all based around you know natural displays and whatnot. And also, of course, you you see people flooding to the the beautiful Sakura festival, which is the cherry blossoms. Which again, this actually really oh
0: my god, I love it. It
1: flagged to me about cl- climate change because I was there okay in February, just teetering on March, when of course the perfect time to film the cranes doing their beautiful courtship ritual and dance but I saw cherry blossom I saw sakura it's too early and it shocked me
0: so you saw it in February
1: I saw it in fe- just towards the end in March I, I mean I filmed it and I went oh my god you know it was just too early and usually the cherry That's blossom I know I know we
0: had cherry blossom here in London come out in February <gasps>
1: That's beautiful. You do have some beautiful yeah. cherry blossom there. But yes, I mean, absolutely. I'm seeing people reconnecting with nature with the the Nara deer as well. You know, people are, are, are yes. absolutely obsessed with them being chased around by, you know, with cookie deers. I mean, my God, they... They go after you, Ryan. <laughs> I, got, I got bitten in places, I shouldn't say. I mean, good grief. They chased me. <laughs> chased me down the temples. So you can see me like running with my gimbal, um, which was great fun. And, um, but people reconnected with nature, you know, in um, Nagano as well, with the snow monkeys. People are obsessed with finding that tranquility in space outside of the city because people need to just quiet their minds to you know just feel like like a human i always you know pull back back to our ancestral state as early hominids and just say look this is not our natural state to be constantly hyper aware constantly being fed information even if it's listening to a podcast or if you're running listening to music it's always Mm -hmm. communication just turn it down Turn it and off. just and just be, just be with nature, which is the concept of forest bathing as well. So forest bathe yeah. people with clothes, obviously.
0: <laughs> 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 Stay within the law. Um, <laughs> I say, actually, this wouldn't be the first time I've said this on the show. <laughs> and I say it all the time. Well, it would be what I've just said. Like you said, even with podcasts about nature, mm. and I'm saying this to listeners that are listening now, if you are out for a walk and listening to me and Tanya talk now, if you're out in your local green space. Turn this off yes. and be in your surroundings. Listen to this when you're doing something boring or listen to this when you're exactly. cooking. But this is this is an indoor podcast.
1: Well done. <laughs> not an I, I agree. I completely agree.
0: The other thing I want to talk about as well is, is your filmmaking and your, and the projects you've worked on, because I always love talking to wildlife filmmakers or mm. filmmakers of any kind. Because at first glance you would imagine it's a topic, and once you've spoken to one, you've spoken to them all. And that's mm. so not the case because everyone's got their own style and Everyone's got their own interests and their mm. kind of ways of working. So, for you, what would mm. you say? You, and this is where it might start to sound like a bit like an interview. I promise there is no job <laughs> at the end of this. <laughs> but what would you say? What would you say your filming style is in your project?
1: Yes, I mean it's a very interesting question because I think I think you're absolutely right that a lot of people do have their their varying ways of telling stories in this industry, and I I think. For me, I, I adore blue chip natural history, which is the big cinematic lummarks that. that do encapsulate millions of people. And and it's not because it's like, oh, I want the grandeur working with Attenborough or (laughs) all these amazing people. It's because I just, I know that it's a way to get brilliant science and the brilliant voice of Attenborough or the brilliant cinematography of the amazing people we work with on a big screen to make people care and pay attention, sit up and listen to to what's actually happening, which is why I'm so thrilled that finally conservation narratives are actually making it into mainstream series such as Our Planet, which was an exceptional break through, I think, the first of its kind.
0: It was incredible, yeah.
1: And, you know, I think it's necessary because we're running out of time. I mean, we've all read that report. Oh, gosh. We've all gulped and gone, Jesus, this is what we've been frigging telling you. That's me being a plight, frigging, not (laughs) (laughs) Um, effing or blinding. But, um, you know, so I I love these the sort of blue chips in a cinematography as well. I mean, so many of my heroes that I get to work with, I'm honestly in constant awe of working with them because they're just so... They're so dedicated to their craft and they're really humble, very remarkable human beings that you get to work with in the field for long periods of time. And quite often they become, you know, very much like your own your own family and, you know, best friends, really, because you spend more time with them than you do your own family. So that genre, I would say, is something that I I will definitely stick with for the next couple of years, hopefully um because i really do want to make big impact because we need it now so i I do want to be working in in that sort of that genre and then for personal projects as well i i do love that sort of blue chip again you know shooting very off speed within good reason of course not all the time um (laughs) um, but you know
0: not just for the
1: sake of of just you know a show my there has to be reason with it as we mentioned before you know talking about frenetic lifestyles you use time lapses or hyperlapses to to enhance that but um from, from my personal perspective of, of my techniques that I actually shoot myself. So I shoot obviously Panasonic cameras, but I shoot with a range of reds and cetera. And I, I do love long lens. Long lens is a beautiful, um, technique. I would say that is probably my favorite just because you, you, you can do a lot and you mm. can capture a lot of the shots that you need with one lens so the cn20 which is the lens that we use you kind of can go from 50 mil to a thousand mil instantly so you can go from oh, wow. super wide to super tight so you can really build the emotional storytelling sequence and story beats quite quickly even if you're mm-hmm. on your own traditionally we do usually go out with three people so with the director myself and then uh, i say director it's half of these incredible people don't need directing of course but we call ourselves direct yeah. the director
0: you've got to be it's the way it works it's, it's, it's ridiculous
1: <laughs> they don't need directing but essentially we're there to help <laughs> we're there to help fill the gaps because often we'll review the rushes and I'll say oh actually let's get another pan or pull focus on that let's get a bit more detail on that because we've been stud- studying these animals and talking to these brilliant scientists for months so we, we just know mm. those little subtle uh, nuanced behaviours that might actually enhance the sequence and might make it better and sometimes we'll have a camera assistant that will cross shoot as well so that you getting a different angle or necessarily i would do that sometimes as well with the main camera person which i love doing that's that's when i that's when I'm my very happy place because i get to sort of you know do my do my ap or my you know back then i did my research and then i could cross shoot so um i did shoot on this previous series which i was very very excited about because yeah i mean i, I shot with some of my heroes i was like ah, try not to <laughs> <laughs> try, try not to freak out um going okay bring it just keeping you cool (laughs) keep it keep it keep it in focus keep it in focus and then i i do enjoy macro as well actually because often the greatest stories that you find are the ones of very obviously minute creatures and and worlds and science that we Mm. haven't explicated very much because well you know the science is relatively new. We don't naive. see it. <laughs> we don't see it. So the, ma- the micro world um, often kind of reveals the most fascinating new science and stories, you know, from parasitoid wasps and, um, you know, assassin assassin bugs are fantastic as well. Uh, yeah. But no, absolutely brilliant. And then I do enjoy gimbal work as well, kind of tracking. I, I think a lot of my personal films, you will always see a sort of tracking behind shot then a, a track forward as well, kind of getting the perspective. Uh, what did
0: you call that? Was that, did you say gimbal? Gimbal. What, what does that mean?
1: Gimbal. So gim- oh, so the... Yes, I love. I love it, it for all the listeners. Yes. Ryan's dancing. I'm just saying,
0: like, we suddenly we suddenly went quiet because we both did hand signals. Listeners did not see what that was. I was like box in the air. Is what happened?
1: <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant gimbal demonstration there, Brian. Um, Thank
0: you so much.
1: (laughs) Um, But it's it's just essentially these are all tools to help us add movement to our cinematography, because obviously traditionally everyone was locked off on a tripod, which we still are sometimes, obviously for long lens work. Um, But often now we're uh, kind of combining various camera techniques with different gimbals, um, you know, all three axis, you know, motion sliders as well to add yeah. promotion to our, to our images because it just it's far more engaging it's far more cinematic because you know as you mentioned before Free Solo is such an engaging film we're competing with the likes of you know these inc- the, well you know the marvel films and these epic big dramas yes, yeah, the, yes, the, the,
0: the queen's yeah.
1: gambit you know all of these oh, i love that though; that was brilliant absolutely bloody i brilliant. was gonna
0: say you dropped that out of the blue the queen's
1: Gambit, <laughs> absolutely fabulous cinematography like
0: tanya was waiting to say has anyone seen the queen's gambit
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean I'm a, I'm a lover of all films and and cinematography and uh, as i was saying you know I, I any opportunity to go to a film festival or just engage mm. with people who are passionate about Storytelling, but obviously, again, as as nerds, you know, of the wildlife world, um, love to talk about the the nitty gritty of the science. I mean, this is this is my guilty pleasure: is talking to people about the the nitty gritty because our producers sometimes tell us off when we get too excited about you know, neurobiology or the life histology or the, you know, the multi-scale com- habitat suitability models of British bats or something. You know, they, they go, no, no, no one wants to see that, tiny. I was like, okay, but if we make it, you know, beautiful and sexy and people like it, will you, and they go, okay, well convince me. So then you have to just, obviously yeah. this is where the storytelling aspect comes in, but um, yeah, I'd say those kind of, those techniques, the kind of the long lens, the gimbal, I love a bit of drone. Are you a droner?
0: I've never. People say I drone, but, you know, I don't. <laughs> my Edinburgh show droned on, I'll tell you that. I don't. <laughs> a droner, as in, do I like it or have I. Have you, have you dabbled?
1: A drone? Have you dabbled in drone? Have I
0: dabbled in the drone world? No, I haven't.
1: Oh. No, is that a
0: thing? Do people dabble in the drone world?
1: Yeah, I mean, even if you're not doing it for filming, because I, I mean, so I got my license. About, oh God! You yeah, have about four you years. You need a
0: license in. to drone.
1: I know. I know. It sounds do mad. You? Commercially, yes. So because I, I, so I, I do do like commercial drone shooting for for the BBC or obviously for Silverback and things like that. So um yeah i had to get a license for that but i mean it's basically like PlayStation i'm joking it it takes a (laughs) lot it's not playstation so the the best the best (laughs) the best drone operators are incredible i worked with a lovely man called yes steven and um, they're also
0: incredible on on the playstation though
1: (laughs) yes oh my god absolutely (laughs) annihilated me on spyro and crash bandicoot
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you say it's different they're just very good at both things
1: I mean, bloody hell! Street Fighter. I thought I was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I got. But cocky. then I played a
0: drone. Con- uh, what do you call it? A, pl- a pilot drone. A drone
1: pilot. pilot yes. A drone <laughs> pilot. I-, I got cocky, Ryan, and I got annihilated on like lit I, th- I can't. I can't remember the name of the character, but Lee or something. I got whooped. I got whooped bad.
0: I can't. remember. I used to remember. Nearly, not all of, but I used to know the top 10 Street Fighter names because it's very random. I did crowd warm up. (laughs) This is so, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I did audience warm up for um, live gaming. (gasps) But I did, uh, so Street Fighter and FIFA. Shut up. So live, so it was about 200 people in the audience. It's just as a cinema screen, so I did audience warm up and then they watch the professional street fighter players play.
1: You're kidding me. So I had un- to
0: remember all the street fighter names, and now that information has not been retained.
1: <sighs> that is the coolest <laughs> I thing. I thought, when will it
0: ever come up again? <laughs> 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 Certainly won't come up in the Into the Wild podcast. Why would it?
1: <laughs> that is brilliant. Honestly, um, that fantastic.
0: Um, okay, that's about... Yeah, I am a fan of drones in regard to... The fly- I think they are... A fabulous way. If done, and I'm sorry, we don't need to say this, if done (laughs) respectfully and and properly, they're they're an amazing way to capture a, a landscape and scenery. They're incredible.
1: It is. It just offers you a different perspective and angle. I, I think, I mean, obviously it can be overused. I mean, I'm not going mm. to mention program names, but it, it is a fantastic, I mean, I I, I do love, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself, I I wouldn't call myself a professional drone pilot. I should be saying that on my CV. But, you know, when I work with people who are so exceptionally talented and they do that just as their one job, you know, mm. that's why we do employ people who are incredibly talented and have the hours, you know, to be able to build those services. But it does offer that different perspective. And especially if you're, a lot, a lot of people now are kind of getting into FP droning which I just want to do it for fun it looks epic but I can't I can't see it making it into the sort of mainstream big epic cinematic it's initially it's a replacement for helicopter and GSS which is a gyro stabilized cameras which you would actually put the same that camera I mentioned the long lens one you'd put that same brain that same block camera and that lens but within a stabilized um, well, the, the stabilized case, which is the GSS, oh, okay. um, so it's like the the four one six. That's a, a particular model, or um, other brands, of course. I'm not, mm. I'm not representing you're not, any. You're not any.
0: representing. You're just just naming a few off the cuff.
1: <laughs> just naming a few, um, but no, they're, they're fantastic tools. But again, it is not a replacement for sto- good storytelling or a good eye, of course.
0: <laughs> yes, of absolutely. I've got to ask you the hardest question. Maybe dream project.
1: Oh. Well, I have to admit, I have been working on a, a pretty much, very much, yeah, a, a dream project now with them. Um, I, I mean, I can't, I'm so NDA'd up to my eyeballs right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't can't tell you. It's literally, I can't even tell my best friends what I'm doing. It's awful. They go, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to Asia. I'm going to this country, you know, uh, very vaguely (laughs) um, because it's so secretive. But this project is actually, has technically been announced. Um, It's coming out on BBC, which I can't tell you the name (gasps) of just yet. No. But it's very exciting. Imagine
0: if we got first dibs. If
1: you got first dibs, that would be fantastic. But it's it's a very exciting behavioural blue chip landmark series with maybe, you know, some very exciting people on it, so but it's coming out soon, it's coming out this year, I can say that
0: oh god this is this is like a mind.
1: this is insane so yes bbc one this amazing brand new blue chip natural history landmark will be coming out which is very exciting this is going
0: to be hilarious because listeners now when this comes out will be like why are they being so secretive about the trailer i've just seen on twitter (laughs) 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 but as we record this guys we are recording in end of august late august so exactly we've got to be secretive at the moment (laughs)
1: I know, I'm afraid I'm very much tied up. But I mean, of course, once it's out, I'm I'm hoping you'll enjoy it. And I mean, it's been an incredible project to work on. Just fascinating species, fascinating animals that we were able to film. And um, yes, I mean, personal projects. I've got a lot of thoughts about Papua New Guinea. I've, I've been obsessed with that country for many many years yeah. and I've, I've been there i film i filmed there recently but i i've got a few ideas that i'd like to revisit there in particular especially conservation stories because mm. i've done a few p- before with panasonic as well but i, I really want to do uh, well hopefully i've improved since then my god when you look back at your old work i'm sure i'm sure you listen <laughs> oh, back to yourself <laughs> on, ryan god. and go <laughs>
0: <God>. <laughs> anything i've ever done comedy this i listen back and go why did people turn up? <laughs>
1: It's just shocking. You go, oh my god, was that was that my camera? What was that my shot? (laughs) What was I doing here? But I mean, that's the thing, and that's the you know the beauty of it. We're all sort of learning and improving, and you know that's the the most important thing as well. I am very passionate about trying to help people into the industry as well, particularly people from disadvantaged backgrounds or or women in the in the in the craft department because we need more diversity. We we need more diverse voices, you know, to tell stories that are going to be engaging to a, a global audience. I mean, it's it's so important for me. That's what again what i love about twitter you know there's some brilliant people who are doing the most incredible projects to try and support that so i'm all for that so yes those are my my dream projects that i've already worked on and currently working on actually so i was gonna say because <laughs> i can't I, tell you more i was
0: gonna ask what's coming up for you and what's what's next for tanya but i, I don't <laughs> think there's no point asking that question because all you're gonna say is there's stuff happening <laughs>
1: There's stuff happening. I mean, actually I, I came back from a recent shoot on this new project, yeah. which is very exciting. It's for Netflix actually, so it's it's not being <gasps> seen. That's
0: amazing.
1: I know, so I mean, I was like, oh my god So it's kind of terrifying But I'm working closely with my, my producer Who's utterly brilliant And it's at Silverback And it is natural history as well But Amazing. oh my god You will love it when it hopefully comes out It's um, about
0: time Netflix had some decent nature stuff on there I know they've had some stuff They've had some good stuff They had David Attenborough's at Life on Our Planet Obviously they had that Yes And they had some other But it's just it's just missing that That oomph. Silverback-esque vibe <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, thank you. I'm sure they'd be very pleased <laughs> yeah, to hear that. I'm
0: not trying to get any more sponsorship. I'm just saying that's what they were missing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we should bloody have a podcast for it, I think. I think we need to get you on the social the social meds there. You've
0: got my email, Tanya. You have my email. <laughs> <laughs> um, My last question, and this, I, I mean, I say Dream Project was the hardest one. This is the hardest question. Everyone kind of goes, oh God. And it is, you know, we love the natural world. We all saw the ICC yes. report. If you could pass on one bit of advice onto everyone, not just listening now, but everyone on the planet, about the natural world, what would you pass on?
1: I think the biggest one would be, and actually, I mean, I'm just, not that I want to echo Atta, but, but exactly that, just consume less, consume less. Humans are like, I, I remember listening to this remarkable Zen master in, in Japan saying, you know, people in the West are like hungry ghosts. <laughs> I was like, wow. I, was, I, I, I I sort of talked about I was laughing at that I was thinking well we do consume a lot I mean a lot of humans in general they they consume vast quantities of resources of food of you know of you know just land in, in general that, I mean the biggest threat to the planet is ourselves mm-hmm. because we're we're consuming we're overrunning the planet and you know as awful as you know these natural disasters are and things like that I mean our, we've just got so darn good uh you know living for longer you know and obviously that's putting pressure on yeah. on the planet and i think it's wonderful that there's so many eco-conscious people these days vegetarians vegans whoop, res- respect respect yeah. <laughs> um, gotta get that yeah, in there respect. um but uh, i'm i am i am sorry i do love my eggs <laughs> i have to I have to no,
0: do you know what no you love your eggs have your eggs
1: <laughs> but um but no absolutely it's, it's just about consuming less and i also, from the perspective mm. of, of, you know, careers, because I think a lot of people, I mean, so I, I, I feel so terrible when I can't get back in touch with, with the lovely people who do ask for advice about getting into natural history or or filmmaking, things yeah. like that. It's why I say, you know, just be passionate. Honestly, I, I know it's the corniest bit of advice that you can offer people. But, you know, if you're really passionate and dedicated, people will see it. Be true to your craft and to yourself. And, you know, people will see that talent shining through and, and want to work with you as well, because often, you know, we want to work with nice people who are dedicated and passionate mm-hmm. and, you know, and obviously, you know, from the perspective of if you're wanting to specifically work in wildlife film, you know, building a portfolio and, and showing that you, you're you keen about telling stories, you know, it can be from, you know, a small snail in your garden, you know, leopard slugs, fabulous creatures, absolutely yeah. incredible life histories, you know, British bats is one obsessed with bats sorry <laughs>
0: yeah i was just saying this is the second
1: time, you the mentioned second time i've mentioned them but i mean i of course because <laughs> actually a lot of the time i spend most of my you know shoots away abroad filming very exotic mm. wildlife which is incredible you know I, I spent the best part of the three years on this previous project you know traveling the world with the most brilliant people and talent and seeing the most incredible animals but you know, we also saw great devastation and sorrow because even the animals, you know, behavior is changing and shifting that it makes our jobs more difficult. And this is what I'm, you know, yeah. the filmmakers for for future, which is like a, a brilliant WhatsApp group set by set up by fantastic people. Um, you know, that we're trying to, you know, raise awareness within our own industry to say, look, we need to be pushing and telling the truth about what's actually happening behind the scenes because we see it. You know, I saw that Bembarang tree with fireflies you know comp- they were just displaying off this tree that was completely destroyed by charcoal burners or various bird species in deserts where their breeding is shifting because of climate change. The climatic envelopes are shifting and they're breeding too late or they've completely failed breeding years um, because of the desiccation and, and the lack of nutritional value that the females can get from being able to breed and whatnot and just you know the devastation in the, in particular in the jungles is terrifying just the, seeing the roads yeah. and oil palm industry as well it's it's terrifying and I think that's the thing so if we can just say to to our listeners who are passionate about you know wildlife consume less make your voice be heard on social media because it will be heard honestly the the power of social media I you know I have quickly seen I mean look at look at Greta Thunberg she's been an absolute inspiration it's, for yeah, us all yeah it's
0: mad yeah yeah
1: So, you know, let your voice be heard on social media, share your passion and your love for wildlife and nature, you know, go out there and explore the natural, become, you know, little naturalists yourselves or or old naturalists, you know, it's never, never too late, you know, enjoy sharing your passion with others and keep communicating because we need to keep engaging people, everyone of all ages, of all cultures, of all religions, of, of all everything about the natural world and how vitally important it is to us and a source of endless fascination, because I can't imagine waking up in a world where, you know, I, I feel, I sound like I'm getting emotional, but it, you know, I can't, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a, it's another big topic is do we want to have children in the future? You know, it's, it's a yeah. huge topic, which I was very interested to, to learn from yourself and, and Sophie Pavel, brilliant Sophie you know, it's it's a big topic of conversation because we're all concerned about the future sustainability of this planet. And yeah, for sure, I think that's the, the single most important thing, consume less, live more sustainably, look at, you know, different tariffs that you can use for energy and things like that, you know, vote in the people who are going to make a difference to the big transnational corporations, we've got to hit them, those are the people, it's the geopolitics involved that is the greatest threat to the planet. And we need to make sure that those people are are listening to us. And COP26 that's coming up, you know, this November, which is fantastic. I'm I'm so excited about that. And I know Silverback and my colleagues and many, many people, you know, from WWF, all so many fantastic organizations have been doing brilliant, inspirational and very evidence based and, you know, visually stunning projects that are highlighting these important messages. So yeah, I hope that people do, you know, feel passionate and, and dedicated enough to keep their voices being heard, and just consume that little bit less, and and be happy. Find your guy and be happy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, do you know what? I think you've just I you think you've just decided the title of this episode? <laughs> Find Your Ikigai. That's with Tanya Astavan. That's what we'll call it. <laughs>
1: Finding Your Ikigai. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I love it. We'll call it that. That's brilliant. Um, Tanya, thank you so much for joining me on this show. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about.
1: Oh, thank um, you.
0: About, about yourself and about your projects. And yeah, The Guardians of Ikigai was a, a beautiful. I really enjoyed watching it. And I cannot wait for these super secret projects <laughs> to come out or to watch them in a couple of days Depending on when this episode comes
1: out. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Brian. You're you're absolutely brilliant. So I love chatting to you, and I love listening to all your brilliant podcasts. So, uh, and I can't wait to see your brilliant film as well that you're going to be doing in Namibia with these
0: oh I can't wait conservationists. It's I've got I've got the sun cream ready. I've got the sun cream <laughs> <laughs> ready to go and get massively sunburned and, in the movie. And your
1: coffee or gin and tonic?
0: Yeah, even well, both, both. shooters just coffee tonic coffee tonic. <laughs> um thank you so much mate thank all the best you. and i'll speak to you soon
1: brilliant you take care thanks again for
0: listening everyone if you'd like to keep up to date with the project and work tanya is working on then you can follow her on social media her tags are in the write-up of this episode and you can also get in touch with me at into the world pod at gmail.com or on social media at into the world pod on twitter and into the world podcast on instagram whether you just want to say hello, or share some thoughts on an episode, or even let me know what you want to hear about next. A reminder that any views or opinions expressed in today's show belong to the person who said them and do not represent Into the Wild or anyone that we have worked with or are affiliated with. Into the Wild aims to always be a free show, however, running and producing it is not free. If you'd like to support us by saying thanks, and you can do so by buying me a coffee. Our coffee link is in the write up of this episode. But until next time, keep well, stay safe, and live the good life.